0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is taken from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening session of Thursday the 19th of February 2009, entitled Essentials to Being an Encourager, and the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 11, verse 24. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Are you Glad to be here tonight. Say amen. Well, it's good to be in God's house. I know this is like the last night of the family conference, but of course most of you folk uh, will probably continue to be here through the weekend. Uh, most of the people at Bethel are, will come during the weekend and stay on Friday night, Saturday night, and they come, of course, on s- Church Sunday. But for you that may uh, be here as visitors tonight, let me tell you what an honor it is for you to have you here. Um, would you like for you to come back this weekend if you could? Uh, all the all the evening services are open to everybody. Uh, if you feel like you're young enough and uh, and eager enough to stay. Uh, Up until about three thirty in the morning, Saturday night, uh, Friday morning, excuse me, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, uh, you can come and stay. But uh, boy, we thank God for the young people that'll be here. I'd like for all the teenager or teenagers, for all of the young adults that were a part of the uh, were part of the first conference that we ever had, two thousand and three. Raise your hand. One, two. I know Tyler's not here. I think there was six, and if I'm not mistaken, we're going to have well over a 100 well over that uh, this weekend. And I want to say what and uh, I want to say how much I want to attribute the praise to Jesus Christ, but I do want to thank God for, for the, the young people that started this thing. Um, it's overwhelming. I mean you, if, you were, if, if you come tomorrow night, you'll understand what I'm saying. You can't hardly even breathe in this place. It is so many people in here, and uh, I thank God for it. Matter of fact, I'm gonna get me a drink of water. Man, I went to eat. I went to eat lunch today at the at the co house, and uh, I'm, that is right, isn't it? Co, is that right? I wanted to make sure I said it right. I don't want to offend you right off the bat. We had some food. I'm telling you what. I, I'm wondering if I can get dual citizenship as a Filipino. Do you think I could pass as a Filipino person? I, I, I want to go there. If that's the way they cook, I'm telling you what, I won't stay 165 pounds long. I promise you that. But I'm telling you, it was so gracious. But we had some, we had some meats and pork and, and 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 some chicken, son. I'm tell, I'm glad, Peter. We're gonna have chicken in heaven, brother. But I'm telling you that that chicken we had today was right on time, son. And uh, but I'm so thankful for them. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Take your Bible and open. You know what? You know it's good to see you smile. I tell you what, uh, we all need to do that. You know, the Scripture says somewhere in Proverbs, I think it's around chapter 17, verse 22, it says, I think it says this, Andrew, My merry heart does good like a medicine. That's what it says. And you know, it's good to smile. It's good to laugh. You better laugh. You're going to probably laugh at yourself before the night's over with anyway. So, I want you to take your Bible and open to Acts chapter number 4 and verse 36, and then once you found your place there where our text is going to be, of course you see Acts chapter number 11 and verse 24, but I want you to look at Acts chapter number 4, and I want you to look at verse 36 first. Acts chapter number 4, of course this is a book that's written uh, by the uh, the physician Luke, and he's, he's letting us know some of the things that went on in the life of the uh, disciples, and how God had His power upon these people, and uh, if you want a, a just a generic outline, Panos, for the book of Acts, it's this. Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and the church went out. That's a pretty good outline if you want to know what the book of Acts is like. Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and the church went out. And folks, that's what we're to do. We're not to stay in here, and this ain't... listen. Bethel Free Baptist Church, Neil, is not a refrigerator. It's supposed to be an incubator, okay? A refrigerator is where you stay, you keep things refrigerated and preserved. No, God wants us to be an incubator and produce other babies, all right? There's nothing more uh, joyful than being in a birthing center at the hospital where there's new life being birthed every single day. I'll tell you, one of the most morbid places you can be is in a birthing center where there's no babies being born. Because you're used to their activity going on. That's what a church ought to be. But I want you to look at Acts chapter number 4. I want to take this message and and go somewhere with it. Y'all bear with me just a minute. I'm trying to get this thing around my glasses so it don't bother me tonight. So pray for me. Uh, Can y'all hear me? Okay, good. Because you're liable to hear me real good before the night's over with. I don't want you to be like, a, I heard about a preacher and three of his deacons, pastor, that went on and went on a safari in Africa. And while they were in Africa, they hunted all types of beasts: wildebeest, hunted water buffalo, big antelopes, and all these other animals. And they went out, and they were going to hunt these uh, uh, antelope. And, and uh, the all four men were out there with their rifles, and 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 they were just waiting. It was about five thirty-six o'clock, and the sun was just coming up. And I'm telling you, hear the birds chirping, and all of a sudden, I'm talking a mammoth antelope come out of the bush, and here it come, and it just sat, and it's looking around and eating a little plot of grass, and. All of a sudden, all four men raised their rifles and simultaneously, pow, and that antelope took off and it fell about five yards after it took off and the guide went out there. Now, all four of them shot at the same time. He went out there and came back and said, which one of you is a pastor? And he said, how did you know I was a pastor? He said, because your, your bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> now, Listen. Don't let my message go in one ear and just out the other. I want you to listen tonight on purpose, okay? I want to talk to you tonight about essentials for being an encourager. Essentials for being an encourager. I want you to look at a man tonight. We're going to look at a case study through the book of Acts about a gentleman whose name is synonymous with the word encouragement. I want you to look at Acts chapter number 4, verse 36. It says in Joseph who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas. Now, the Bible explains what Barnabas, the name, means. It says, "...which being, in, being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus." Now, look up at me. When, when this man was born, his parents gave him the name Joseph. But when this man became born again, the apostles and disciples gave him the name Barnabas, which means the son of consolation. It literally has a Greek connotation, and Brother Panos, you'll get a kick out of this. His name gets its derivative from the Greek word parakletos. We get an English word uh, paraklete from it. If you don't know what that means, it means to, uh, to draw near and hug, basically, if you will. Do you know that's what the Holy Spirit is to us? He's our... Paraclete, that's what the word parakaleo means. It means to to pull near and stand beside of. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that this man was synonymous with the word encouragement. Folks, everywhere he went, he encouraged people. Now, folks, can I submit to you tonight, I saw something my wife wrote on the refrigerator, not on the refrigerator, but she put a card on the refrigerator that said this, better not write on the fridge, my wife will get you. She wrote on an index card, and she usually does this for my kids because we homeschool, and she put on the index card and put it on the refrigerator. This is what it said. More people, listen to this. You ought to write this down. More people fail for lack of encouragement than any other reason. Can I say that again? More people fail for lack of encouragement than any other reason. Can I submit to you tonight that you need to be a spiritual spark plug that, listen, that gravitates people toward you. See, Barnabas was a man whose name went with the word encouragement. Folks, we need to have people gravitate to us. See, you are to have a compelling nature. But you know what? There's something about Barnabas. He not only had a compelling nature, Panos, he had a convicting nature about him. Now, folks, I want, to, I want you to look over at our text in Acts chapter number 11. Very quickly now. Acts chapter number 11. And I want you to look at verse number 19. Acts chapter number 11 and verse number 19. It says, now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen. You remember that story, right? Stephen was stoned. Matter of fact, Saul of Tarsus was a young man. Held the coats of the ones who stoned Stephen to death. I believe that Paul never got comfort in his life and he never had a moment of peace in his life until the moment on that road to Damascus, brother Peter. And I believe that was when he said, Lord, I give up. I'm done running. What do you have me to do? Folks, and I believe from the moment that he saw Stephen B. Stone, he never slept a moment's peace. But folks, there was a man who came into Saul's life who, by the way, his name was changed to Paul. And do you know what? There was a man that came into his life we're going to look at in just a minute, but I don't want to go there yet. Let's look at the 19 again. They which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen travelled as far as Phoenici, or Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but on, unto the Jews only. And some of them were of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they came to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And Penos and Janani said, "Amen. You better be thankful. Amen. I I'm glad. I'm glad they spoke to Gentiles and not just to Jews." But let me tell you something. Look at verse number 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent for Barnabas, that man whose name means encourager. They sent for Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was what? Let me tell you what the word glad means. word glad means to celebrate with applause. He was glad. Why? When he saw people being born again, he went into that city, and it says when he came, he had seen the grace of God, was glad, and he exhorted. Guess what Greek word that is? Parakaleo. He exhorted. He encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Now look at our text. For he a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. I want to preach a message to you tonight entitled Essentials for Being an Encourager. I want you to notice something about this man named Barnabas. He was a honorable man. Look at our text. It says, for number one, he was what? A good man. He was an honorable man. And by the way, folks, being a good man, let me tell you something. There's nobody in here that's good. The Bible tells me that there's none righteous, no, not one. There is not a just person on the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. You want to know why the Bible tells us that we're not good? Because if we, uh, we listen, if we trust ourself and our righteousness, why would we need Jesus Christ? See, we can't, listen... He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now, you know what I like? I like little words in the Bible because I'm just a simple preacher. Do you know the words in Him are some of the smallest words in the Bible? But they're some of the most powerful. Folks, do you know that we, the, listen, the tabernacle which tells the Shekinah glory of God. The presence of God rested in the tabernacle, in that holy of holies. But do you know what my Bible says? That the glory of God is housed in earthen vessels now. Woo! We are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, if that don't excite you, your wood is wet. You know what? I, I don't understand... And folks, I'm telling you right now, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm hands of clay and feet of clay just like you are. Just because I'm a preacher and your pastor's a guy that preaches the Word of God does not make us somebody to all be put up on a pedestal because if we are, the, the only direction we got to go from there is down. Don't you lift me up. Don't you lift your preacher up. Let me tell you something. You pray for them. You lift their hands up. But let me tell you what you do. You lift up the name which is above every name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Listen, this man was honorable. He was a good man, but he wasn't good in and of himself. He knew that his righteousness was as filthy rags, and he had to trust the righteousness of God. And folks, that's what we got to do. He was an honorable man. Let me tell you something else about him. Look at it. It says he was a good man and what? Full of the what? You know what I like verses in the Bible that command us to do stuff? I do. Because you know what? I'm prone to wonder, and I know it. And I need need commanding. (laughs) You know what the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 18, Tim? It says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That is not a suggestion, it's a command. Do you know what this man was? He was a man who was not only honorable, Peter, but he was a man who was holy. Now, I'm not saying he was holier than thou, Steve. You know what this means? The word holy, 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse 16, says, As it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. You know what God's saying? He's saying, I don't expect you to be and here's what I love about Christianity. Here's what I love about following Jesus Christ. Do you know my Savior don't even expect for perfection from me? He only expects progression. We are on a walk, and listen, you ain't going to get perfected until you get to heaven. You're welcome. You know what I know a lot of people think they are. <laughs> I know a lot of people that think they're, they're perfect. Just ask them. But do you know what? Here was a man who was not only honorable, but he was holy. And folks, holier than thou is not what I'm talking about. You know what the word holy literally means? It, it Rendered, it means to be separated unto the Lord. That means you're trying your best to follow Jesus Christ. Yeah, I fall. You do too. But you know what I'm thankful for? Psalm 37 verse 23 and 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. You know where the next three words in verse 24 are? Andrew, it says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Aren't you glad you're in the hand of God tonight? If his eye is on the sparrow, I know he's watching me. Boy, oh, special to know that I mean that much to God when I feel like I'm about nothing. And you know what God says? You might think you're nothing, but you serve the one that's everything. He was an honorable man. He was a holy man. But it says he was a good man, a full of the Holy Ghost, and of what? So not only was he an honorable man and a holy man, but Brother Coe, he was a hopeful man. Now I'm not talking about sitting around twiddling your thumbs saying, oh, well, I hope God's pleased with me. No, that wasn't hopeful. I'm talking about hopeful when we talk about faith. Listen, the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, have faith in God. It never says anywhere, Andy, to have faith in your faith. That's what a lot of prosperity preachers will preach. You need to have faith in your faith. No, you need to have faith in God. Hebrews 11, 1, Listen, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hey, we know that Hebrews chapter number 11, Matt, verse 6 says this. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. You listen to me tonight, say amen. He was a honorable man. He was a holy man. He was a hopeful man. But you know what I like about Barnabas? Barnabas was a helpful man. He was a helpful man. You say, Preacher, what do you mean? Turn back to Acts chapter number 4. I'm going to have you all over the Bible. You might as well turn anywhere because I'm liable to hit it. I'm going to go all over the place tonight. Acts chapter number 4 again. Look back at verse number 36. And Joseph, who was by the apostle's surname Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, Levite, as the country of Cyprus. Look at verse 37. Having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now you say, preacher, how was this man helpful? The first area that you can be an encourager in is this, just what Barnabas was. Barnabas, and y'all write these down if you got a pen. Number one, Barnabas was a load lifter. He was a load lifter. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, the church at Jerusalem had a lot of needs, a lot of people. You know you got a lot of people in the, on one day. 3,000 people got saved in one day. And it began to be added to and multiply and multiply, and the church had great needs. Well, guess what? These people didn't make a whole lot of money, but guess what? There was a man named Barnabas, whose name literally means encouragement, came along and said, Huh, I own land. I'm from Cyprus. By the way, at this time, folks, Rome was buying up land to build military installations. They bought the, country, the island of Cyprus, Rome did, the, the empire of Rome, and they were going to build a military installation there. Well, guess what? Barnabas owned land on Cyprus, and let me tell you something, Rome didn't pay nickels and dimes for nothing. They paid pretty pennies for everything. And I'm sure his land was worth a lot of money. He took the money that he got for the sale of that land, he brought every dime of it, Cena, to the apostles laid it to their feet and said, you distribute it as the needs uh, need to be met. Now, folks, would to God we had churches that were full of people that were load lifters. Folks, we need people that will lighten the load in others' lives. That's why it says, if ye being spiritual see a man that's overtaken in a fault, go to him in a spirit of meekness and restore such a one, considering yourself, look at me, lest you also be tempted in the same area. See, some of you in here could lighten the load in somebody else's life. See, he was a load lifter. Let me go ahead and just meddle right here just a minute, okay? Whatever you think of your money is what you are. Now, you know what? I don't preach about money most places I go. Matter of fact, I won't even stay on this topic for long because y'all looking at me like y'all need to take something for a stomachache now and I'm talking about money. But let me tell you something. The way you deal with your pocketbook is in direct correlation with your heart and your love for Jesus Christ. I mean that thing. Because you know what? There is nothing that you've got that ain't already God's. If God owns everything, that means how much do you own? Come on, help me out. That ain't hard. Nothing. Do you know what Jesus said? Matthew chapter number 6, verse 19. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust can corrupt and where thieves can break in or steal. He said, but... I like the comparison contrast here, Panos. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven... Where moth and rust can't corrupt it, where thieves can't break in or steal, for where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 38, He said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That sounds like pretty good stuff to me. Good measure, shaken together, running over, shall men given to your bosom for the, with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again. You know what I'm thankful for? People that lighten the load in others' lives. Barnabas was a load lifter. Malcolm, let me tell you about what happened to me about three years ago. I was pastoring a church in in, in North Carolina. Every everybody. And our church knew we only had one vehicle, but I wasn't asking for nothing else. Hey, listen, we were perfectly content for the last five, six, seven years to have one vehicle. We didn't need another one. But let me tell you something, folks. I was at my mother and father-in-law's house on the day after Thanksgiving. I'll never forget this, Peter. Day after Thanksgiving back in 2000 and what is the year? Is it 9 the great day? I'm getting old. <laughs> it was 2006. We're sitting at the house... And I hear a guy uh talking to my wife on the phone on her cell phone. well he she hands it to me, and I said, "Who is this?" And he said, "This is Jefflin, this is my friend Jeff. He said, "What are you doing today?" I said, "Well, i'm sitting around doing what everybody else does today after Thanksgiving. Repent because I've been eating too much." so I said, well, I said, what are y'all doing?" He said, well, "We're in Wilmington. Can you meet us for a cup of?" Well, we, didn't, we don't drink tea as prominently as you do. We drink coffee. And he said, you mean for a cup of coffee? I said, sure. So, Johnny picked me up. We went and gave a cup of coffee. For I know it, we're driving down one of the major uh, highways in Wilmington. We get right about where d and Dodge. If any of you know what a Dodge pickup truck is, if you don't ask Andrew, he drove mine while he's in the States. He, he was just drooling and uh, he just fell in love with that thing. But let me tell you what happened. We drove by DE Dodge, and those guys pull in there, and I said, what are we doing here? He said, well, let me ask you something, preacher. He said, what's your favorite color? I said, well, Carolina blue, amen? Carolina blue. I, I, when you cut me, I believe Carolina blue. No. Anyway, that's, y'all won't understand that. Y'all ain't from North Carolina. That's the color of our beloved Tar Heels. That would be like Aston Villa or your favorite soccer team, okay? But in basketball. So I, I said... Carolina blue. He said, No, 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 no. I'm talking about just a primary color. I said, Well, I like silver. We started driving around that truck dealership. They pulled up to this truck and they said, Do you like that color? I said, Man, that's nice. Matter of fact, I said, I think it's too nice. My wife didn't realize, I took her out there to look at it. I went and picked out this little bitty truck. They, I said, i just like to have that little, and I'm not trying to be humble, okay? I'm just telling you, I was overwhelmed. They said, we want to buy you a truck. Folks, I never in my wildest dreams ever thought anybody do that. But let me tell you something, three guys in my community, in my church, got together with a few other people in the church, and they bought us a truck and handed me the keys. Folks, I'm telling you, you don't, they didn't, they would never know until we get to heaven how that lightened the load in my life. If we ever went anywhere, I had to take the car, make sure the kids and the wife were taken care of. I was going to be gone all day working. Hey, folks, now I can just drive and drive and drive. I'll run out of gas and put some more in. and drive driving, driving, driving. Man, it lightened the load in our life. Listen to me, right before we came. I don't know if you all know, It might, I, I don't know if it's this way here in England, but it is in America. Uh, tires are expensive. <laughs> are they here? they really proud of their tires. These tire companies are really proud of them. Well, a set of tires is rather expensive. I'm not saying rather expensive, very expensive. Folks, we had a guy come up to us and look me in the eye, and he had no idea the need we had. We need new tires. I need new shocks on my wife's truck. We're gonna drive all the way to New York, to fly here, and I said, "Man, I feel like it'd be a danger if we got in our truck and we didn't have these proper shocks and top proper tires." This guy comes to me on a Sunday morning. He hugs me. Now I'm gonna tell you, this guy's a great big guy, great big. His shadow weighs sixty pounds. I mean, this dude's big. He come around me and he put his arm around me and he said, "Hey, brother Brian." I said, "Yes, sir." He said, uh, "He said you know I love you." I said, "I sure hope you do." <laughs> He said, I want to ask you a question. He said, what do you, what does your ministry need? What do you need? Well, You know what, folks? I'm going to be honest with you. I, w- I wasn't trying to, to be humble, but I said nothing. When I knew, good and well, we needed tires on our car. He looked at me and he said, oh, come on now. He said, you're not telling me the truth. He said, don't lie in church. We're sitting right in the foyer of the church. I said, well, brother, be honest with you. I said, we're, dri- to, we're driving to New York to fly to England. And I said, I'm really concerned about my wife's truck. It's got a lot of play in the front, and I think it's the shocks. And we really need some shocks. He said, I'll do better than that. He said, why don't you just go down there? And he said, I've got a place we do business with. He's got a trucking line. He drives articulated lorries. Y'all like that? I did good, didn't I? You can tell I've been in England a while. Now, ain't no listen, you don't get nothing in North Carolina calling an articulated lorry. It's a truck. All right? But anyway, they drive these big, big lorries. And they got a, they got a business they do, and they go through tires like butter, Okay? He said, I want you to take your truck and your wife's car- truck down there, or SUV. He said, I want you to put t- tires on both vehicles and check them shocks out. If it needs shocks, you get them. I said, well, man, when can I pay you back? He said, no, you ain't paying me. He said, that's what I want to do for your ministry. I want." And this is his words, Malcolm. He said, I want to lighten your load. You know what Barnabas was? He was a load lifter. What about you? When's the last time you lifted the load off of somebody that was in a burdened place? I want you to look at Acts chapter, very quickly, Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9, turn it over very quickly. Acts chapter number 9, very quickly now. I'm running out of time and I hope you don't stop listening before I stop preaching, okay? Acts chapter number 9, we know the story behind this chapter. This was the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus and Paul got saved by the grace of God. He was a persecutor of the church, he was a murderer, and he was a blasphemer. Here was a man who for all intent and purposes was somebody that God looked at and you, if if you were God, would have said, he's done. But God said, I'm looking at a man I can use. And Paul got gloriously saved on the road to Damascus. But I want you to look over at verse number 26. And when Saul was come, after he got saved, he wanted to go back to Jerusalem, wanted to give his testimony of how God gloriously uh, brought him out of darkness and put him in marvelous light. And he said, I want to give him a testimony. And it said, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. And look at verse 27. But who? Barnabas. The son of consolation, the encourager, took him, brought him to the uh, apostles, and declared. They declared under that he declared unto them how he Paul had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Now look up at me. The first thing that Barnabas was, and you can be, is a load lifter. But the second thing that Barnabas was, that you can be, is a friend finder. You can be a load lifter, but you can be a friend finder. Here was a man who, he went before the, he wanted to go before the churches in Jerusalem and give his testimony. And let me tell you something, folks. These people, they weren't going to accept him. Matter of fact, they said, we don't trust him. You know what Barnabas said? God transformed him. They said, hands off. But you know what Barnabas said? Arms around. And he hugged him and brought him in. He made a friend out of him. And guess what? You know what, I bet you, if it wasn't for Barnabas, Paul would have never had one place to ever preach. But guess what? You hold a Bible that he wrote 13 books of. Did Barnabas write a book in the Bible? Don't think he did. But I'll tell you what, when he gets to heaven, and we get there and we stand and receive crowns, I bet you Barnabas is going to be there and we're going to watch him be crowned with an eternal weight of glory. Because he was an encourager. More people fail for lack of encouragement than any other reason. Listen, he was a load lifter. He was a friend finder. Folks, you know what? I want to say this, that Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Did you hear me? Everybody hear me? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do you know what? There were people that were railing against Paul and saying he's not worthy to be a disciple, but Barnabas took a chance on him and made a friend out of him. And you know what? You better thank God because Paul not only preached to the synagogues, but then went out and he reached the Gentiles. His burden was that Israel might be saved, but his calling was to us. Because he had a friend, Pastor. friend. I can't even begin to tell you how indebted and eternally grateful I am for somebody seven years ago taking a chance and being my friend when they did not know me or my wife. I will never be able to repay the friendship of your pastor and his wife and his family for being a friend finder who's saying, you know what? You've got tickets to come over here. I know things have kind of fallen apart and things have gone all topsy-turvy, but you just come on to England. We'll take care of it. I'll never be able to repay you. Because, listen folks, we have a job as a Christian to be a Barnabas, to be somebody that goes up and just don't shake hands, but shake it, pull the person towards you and hug them and say, you know what, I thank God. Hey, listen, Paul was a load lifter. He was a friend finder. But I want you to turn to Acts chapter number 11. Actually, I ain't lost y'all yet, have I? All right, good. Acts chapter number 11. I want you to look at verse number uh, 24 again. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then Bar- then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek who? And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch, and and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called what? Christians first at Antioch. Do you know if it wouldn't have been for a man by the name of Barnabas, we probably wouldn't even have had the name Christian. By the way, that term was not a term of endearment in those days. When they said Christian, buddy, (laughs) you, it separated... The wheat and the tares. It was a term of condemnation, of scrutiny. You know what? A lot of people said, well, I, I don't know if I want to be bad to see more, because it gets too tough to be bad. You know what? It was tough being a Christian in those days, but it didn't stop from being one. I'm here to tell you folks, don't leave church because you get a little hangnail, have a little bad experience. Hang in there. Hang in there. If you got offended, take a number. Get in line with all of us. Amen? Hello? Get in line with the rest of us. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Jesus was offended for our sake, yet He, as a lamb before the shears was dumb, opened not His mouth. Hey, listen, folks. Barnabas wasn't just a load lifter and a friend finder. He was a bridge builder. You know what I see in this passage, Pastor? Barnabas went and got Paul from Tarsus, brought him to Antioch, and do you know what? Here was a man who was sent there to be in the ministry. He goes and gets Paul, brings him there. He gives him the opportunity, and basically Paul uh, teaches the people for a uh, span of a year. And do you know what I don't see? I don't see Barnabas getting mad because somebody else got prominence and was put in a position to lead, and he wasn't. Uh-oh. 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 Some of you saying, I hope he moves real quick through this one. Can I ask you a question? When he came into the city and saw people being saved, it says he was glad and he exhorted all of them. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you rejoiced with those that had more success than you? Or do you get mad and have resentment? And because, see, if you, if you do, you're in competition, not in cooperation. You know what, God, listen, God didn't call us into the, Christian, into the Christian faith to be in competition. I'm not in competition with your pastor. Your pastor's not in competition with Glenn Pizer. Glenn Pizer's not in competition with Pastor XYZ and Joe Smuckatelli down the road. We are all in this battle together, and there's no inferiors, no superiors in the work of Jesus Christ. Everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. When's the last time you wept with those that weep? When's the last time you saw a dear sister or dear brother sitting in the pew and after the service is over with, they're sitting there weeping and you might not know what's going on. You don't need to, to be a Barnabas. All you got to do is go up beside them, Brother Panos, put your arm around them and say, I just want you to know I don't need to know anything, but I'm praying for you. Folks, can I tell you something? Right here, less than a week ago, Jesus came down in this room right here. And it wasn't because of any preaching that I'd done. It was because some young people from seven years ago got on their face Sunday night and begged God to do something this week. I listened to the groaning and wailing, and I'm telling you what, Jesus showed up, didn't he, Pennells? He was in this place. When's the last time you was not in it for competition, but you just said, Lord, I want you to move me out of the way, and I want Jesus to be seen. I thank God for some young people that will weep when others weep and laugh when others laugh. Well, we've had a time now. You don't know the half of what's going on some nights in this place. But you know what, folks? When we do that, we're building bridges. Don't burn them. Build them. Listen, Paul, I've got to go quickly. I've only got about eight minutes left. Paul was a load lifter. He was a friend finder. He was a bridge builder, Peter. But fourthly, I want you to look at Acts chapter 13 very quickly. Move quickly now, Acts chapter 13, and look over at verse number 1. He was not only a load lifter, a friend finder, a bridge builder, but number 4, he was a disciple developer. He was a disciple developer. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Look at verse number 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas, (laughs) hello, and look down at verse number 2. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, who? Barnabas and Saul for the work whereinto I have called them. Now, I want you to let your eyes fall over to verse 43. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed who? Now, read that again for me. Who did they follow? Paul and Barnabas. Do you know what? After this point, You will not hear their names mentioned like this Barnabas and Paul. It's Paul and Barnabas. You know what that tells me? That tells me that that Barnabas was not interested in being me first. Barnabas was interested in Jesus being first and he didn't care if Paul got the preeminence in the ministry. And do you know what? It's high time that we stop jockeying for position in whatever we're doing at work. Listen, you may not, listen, you may be here tonight. You ain't never even heard anything like this before, but I'm, t- I'm speaking to you in the secular realm. If you're at work, it's not your job to climb the corporate ladder, ladder wrong by wrong instead of rung by rung. You're going to scratch and claw and trample trample, trample over everybody you can to get to the place of prominence in that position? That is the wrong way to go about it. You work while it's day because the night comes when no man can work. You do it for Jesus Christ and realize who your chief heavenly employer is, and I promise you everything will be okay. You're welcome. He was a disciple developer, folks. At this point, it did not matter to him. You know what I love? I love that the body of Christ is likened to the human body. Let me ask y'all something. If you've ever been, you guys at work, okay? If you've ever worked on a a, a work day here, and maybe you were doing something and it, it required a hammer, okay? And you're hammering something, and all of a sudden, wham, you hit your thumb. Now, I hope... And pray that you'll be spiritual enough that if you're going to yell something, to go maybe a block away and do it. But you know what? Here's what you all to do. When you hit your thumb, I guarantee you there ain't a person in here and they ever did this. They hit their thumb, throw the hammer down and go, I can't believe you, a stupid thumb. You've gotten away. And start hitting it more. But you know what? Here's the problem. We do that a lot in God's work. You get somebody that's hurt and downtrodden and they're, 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 they're scraped up and they need help. what we do is we kick them down farther. You know why you don't do that is because that thumb is a member of your body, and it hurts, and guess what happens when it hurts, it makes the rest of the body hurt. You might not think it, but I'm telling you this I ain't never seen somebody slapping the fire out of their thumb after they hit it with a hammer. No, they usually bring it to themselves and go, or they go, because you're trying to comfort the part that's hurt. You know what Barnabas did? Barnabas comforted the ones that were hurting. Barnabas was a load lifter. He was a friend finder. He was a bridge builder, but he was a disciple developer. He didn't care if his name was ever mentioned at a preacher's fellowship. He didn't care if he ever got called to pray at the disciples' uh, symposium. He didn't care about that, Steve. All he wanted was Jesus Christ to be lifted up. And he was a disciple developer. I'm almost done, all right? I'm only going to lie one time. I already said I'm about about done. I'm I'm almost done, okay? I want you to turn over to Acts chapter number 15. Acts 15, I want you to look very quickly at verse 1. A certain man which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, there were some men from Judea that were coming about and they were saying, you know what? Uh, If you want to be converted, there's a little operation you're going to have to take part in. Folks, that's nowhere in Scripture. When therefore Paul and Barnabas, there it is, it never did say Barnabas and Paul, it said Paul and who? Barnabas. Had some small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. Well, they dispute with these men that you know what? You come to Christ if you are born again, you are uh, you're spiritually circumcised, and you are in Christ Jesus. You know what? Listen, folks, you can't not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy has He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You can't get to heaven by good works. If you got there, you'd brag about it. And you ain't going to be bragging in heaven. You're going to be bowing in heaven. Well, they disputed with these Pharisees and these people from Judea. And look down at verse number 12. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to who? Barnabas and Paul. The only other time it's mentioned after that fact is right here. Barnabas' name is mentioned only this time in succession over Paul right here, and it's never mentioned again before him. Folks, he was a, listen, he was a load lifter, he was a friend finder, he was a bridge builder, he was a disciple developer, but he's a situation solver. Here's a man that comes on the scene, and you know what? He ain't part of the problem, he's part of the solution. Would to God we had some people like that. But not only that, folks, but I want you to look at the last one. I'm going to move quickly. Look at Acts chapter number 15 over in verse number 36. This is my last point and I'm done, okay? And then we're going to go to the house. In Acts chapter 15 verse 36 it says, that some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. I think that's pretty good advice for us. That's called discipleship, follow-up. Somebody gets saved, you just don't throw them in the water and say sink or swim. You go back and you, you minister to them. Amen? Or oh me. Yeah. Look at verse 37. And Barnabas, the son of consolation, encourager, determined to take with him John, whose surname was what? Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them. He who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. Now, the word departed there, you need to understand. A lot of people have said it's translated two ways. I I really think it's neither here nor there. A lot of people say he departed from the work of the ministry, but some say he was so distraught that he departed from the presence of the Lord and he backslid so far that he was given even denied he had the faith. Now, I'm just here to tell you, once you're saved, you're always saved. You know, you can deny it all you want to. But I'm here to tell you, if you're saved, born again, on your way to heaven, that Jesus Christ sealed you under the day of redemption, not redemption of the soul, but redemption of the body. That means when He comes back for us in glory, we are saved until that day, and we're redeemed and sealed till that day comes. And I like it. I like it. You don't know why? Because that tells me i got something that keeps me, protects me. Folks, the power tonight's not in buildings, it's not in buses, it's not in budgets, it's not in people, it's not in bank accounts, it's not in iPod podcasts. It ain't in anything. You know what the power is, Neil? Power's in the blood. There's a wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something about this last area. He was a blessing in that you can be a blessing in. Do you want to be a load lifter? You want to be a you want to be a friend finder? You want to be a bridge builder? You want to be a a a, a, a disciple developer? You want to be a situation solver? then you do what Barnabas did and you be a blessing to people. But here's what happened in this story. Now, I'm going to go somewhere, so just hold on just a second. Look at verse number 39. It said, The contention was so sharp between them, who? Barnabas and Paul, that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took who? Mark. And sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of, of God. And he went through Syria under uh, Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now look up at me. Here's what's going on, folks. John Mark had departed from the ministry and basically for all intent and purposes kind of quit. And Paul said, I ain't taking a quitter with me. I ain't taking no loser with me. And Barnabas said, he ain't a loser, he's a learner. And I'm going to give him a shot. And so Barnabas went and got Mark and took him for the ministry, and Paul said, I'm going a different direction. I'm going to get Silas, I'm going another direction. Now you say, who was right and who was wrong? don't matter. It don't matter. You say, why not? Because I'm getting ready to tell you, like Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. Okay? Here's what happens. Barnabas was not only a load lifter, a bridge builder, a friend finder, a disciple developer, a, a, a situation solver, But the sixth area he was an encourager in was he was a failure fixer. Can I ask anybody in this room a question tonight? You ever felt like you failed God? You ever felt like, you know what, I've just done something and I'm telling you God's got to be so displeased with me? You know what I'm thankful for is verses in the Bible like Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That means, folks, that God in heaven is a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and eighth and ninth and one hundred chances. Don't you like the story about the potter and the clay? And Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and he sees the potter working her work on the wheel, brine, And the potter is working that work. It says the vessel that he was trying to wrought or make or work was marred in the hand of the potter. Let me tell you something, folks. That, that clay was not pliable. It wasn't working properly. But you know what it says? It doesn't say that the potter throws the clay away. No. It said he made it again another vessel that was pleasing to him. You know what? Mark was somebody that quit the ministry for all intent and purposes. And guess what? Barnabas said, I'm going to be a failure fixer. You say, well, preacher, how do you know he succeeded? Well, turn to Second Timothy chapter number 4 and we'll show you something very quickly. Second Timothy chapter number 4. Look at verse number 8. 2 Timothy, very quickly, chapter number 4. I'm almost done. Second Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, look at verse 8. For There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all him also, that love is appearing. Do thy diligence, Timothy, to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessaloniki. You're welcome, Panos. And all those other places. And and, and it gets down to verse 11. And it says, Only Luke is with me. And I want you to notice what it says. Now, Paul is in a prison getting ready to be beheaded. We talked about that the other night. But now, Paul was the one that separated himself from Mark. He said, Mark's not profitable. Mark's a loser. Barnabas said, he ain't a loser. He's a learner. And guess what? Here is Paul talking to his preacher boy, Timothy, and he says, Timothy, when you come to visit me in prison, he says, only Luke's with me. And he said, when you come to visit me, Timothy, he said, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. I thought Paul said he ain't worthy. Boy, aren't you glad we serve a God of second chances? You know what you need to do as a Christian? If you want to be a Barnabas, give people a second chance. Give people a second chance. Don't just slam the door in their face. You want to be an encourager. Think about think about the time that you was away. You know what? I bet you, I bet you Barnabas looked at Paul before they departed, Pastor, and he said, "You know what, Paul?" He said, "I wonder where we'd be if we wouldn't have given you a second chance." I bet Paul felt like about that big he said, Paul, we gave you a second chance. You remember way back there in Jerusalem when I said, you know what, everybody else wanted to throw stones at you, but I said, you know what, I'll take you and I'll let the people know. You, if he does anything wrong, you put it to my account, I bet Barnabas said. Give people the benefit of the doubt, folks. Give them a second chance. You say, preacher, you know what, why you preach tonight, I I I I don't even I don't even care. I'm not even buying what you're selling. And, and you know. Maybe you're in this room and you feel like you've done something. I want everybody to look at me. Everybody. You may have done something you think is is unworthy of even being forgiven of. You may think that you've done something you're so far away from God that you can't turn around and He will never accept you. I'm here to tell you, folks, that there's not only people in this room who want to be failure fixers in your life and come alongside of you and help you, but I'm telling you right now, we've got a heavenly encourager. We've got a heavenly failure fixer. David. A man who committed adultery with a woman, who, who, listen, felt like he was as low as a worm's belly in a wagon rut. Now you may not understand, that's pretty low though. David was a man who begged God to give him and restore to him the joy of thy salvation. And guess what? In Psalm chapter 40, Andrew, he said, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. David said, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock, and he established my goings, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. He said, many shall see it, and fear, and trust in the Lord. That's a man who used to be a failure, but God said, I'm going to give you many, many more chances, David, and guess what? He was a man who was known as a man after God's own heart. You can close your Bibles, I'm done. I met a man named Jim in Statesville years and years and years ago. At the time that I met him the first time, Panos, I I wasn't even saved. He knew my daddy. But I knew there was something different about Jim. Well, after I got saved and I began to preach in the area where I was raised, I went back to a church. And lo and behold, I'm getting ready to get up in the pulpit and I see Jim sitting over on the right side with his precious wife. After the service, Jim come up to me and he said, you don't know how many times I was praying for you. Well, shortly after that, my... uh, my daddy passed away and my mom was left in Statesville. We traveling all over the place. My mom's left in Statesville as a widow. She needs help. I can't be there all the time. There was a, we had a terrible, terrible ice storm one winter back in, I think it was 2003. A tree fell over. Okay? Tree fell over. My mom's a widow. Tree fell over, had need to be cut up. I couldn't get there to do it. One day, my mom called me and said, you're not going to believe this. Jim, 74 years old, out there with a chainsaw cutting that tree up, and he came to my mom and said, if there's anything you ever need, you come to me. Every time I'd preach at the church where he went, he'd come up, and I like these. I'm going to tell I praise God for it. He'd come up to me, and he'd give me what I call a Holy Ghost handshake. Amen. It had something in it. It's what I'm saying. And I'd go, Lord, you're so good, man. That guy, he didn't have to do that. But he'd put a piece of money in his hand and he'd he'd clasp it to mine and he'd hug me and he'd say, "I want to be a blessing to your ministry." Jim died about two and a half years ago. I wish Carl, you could have been with me when I went to the visitation. It started at 7.30 in the evening. At 12.30 in the morning, they finally had the last few people coming through the visitation line. I looked at Mark, his son, and I said, I want you to know your daddy was a blessing to me. Your dad was an encouragement to me. He said, my daddy, all he wanted to do was let people see Jesus and not him and that's all he ever said folks i want to ask you a question tonight are you a ble- I wonder what's going to happen when you take your last breath and people stand and walk by your casket i wonder what they're going to be able to say was that person a load lifter man that guy was a friend finder man he was a bridge builder he was a he was a disciple developer man he was he was a situation solver but more than that he was a failure fixer you know what a guy Went to the doctor one day, and he looked at doctor and he said, "Doctor, I got a problem with my eyes." And the doctor said, "Your problem ain't your eyes; it's your heart." And he said, "What kind of doctor are you?" And he said, "My name's Doctor Law." He said, "Doctor Law," he said, "Well, I'm telling you, I got a problem with my eyes. I'm looking at stuff I ought not look at. I'm doing things I ought not look, do with my eyes." And he said, "My problem's my eyes." And Doctor Law said, "No, your problem's your heart." So the man got up and stormed out. Couple of weeks later, he went back. He said, "You know what? I got a problem with my ears. I got a problem with what I listen to. I listen to gossip and bur- murmuring and backbiting." And he said, "I got a problem with my ears." And the doctor Lowell said, "Your problem's not your ears, sir. It's your heart." He said, "I can't believe this doctor. Everything's my heart." Well, he'd go back week after week after week. He'd say, "My problems. With my hands. Problems. With my feet. Problems. With my my mouth. I can't control my tongue." He said your problem sir is not your tongue your problem is your heart. He said well you've told me this problem you're a doctor how do I take care of this heart? He said well I'm glad you asked me he picked up the phone crawled, called across the hallway and he said Dr Grace. He said I've got a patient for you. Oh you can be okay we'll be right there. Click. Hung the phone up and Dr Law said come on sir he's got a he's got an opening for you. They opened the door. Just a few seconds later, the door opened across the hall and Dr. Grace looked at Dr. Law and he said, Dr. Grace, he said, this is Brian. Brian, this is Dr. Grace. He said, he can do the heart transplant on you. Well, I began to walk across the hall and I looked back at Dr. Law and I said, Dr. Law, can you not come with me? He said, no, I I can't go no farther than this. This is as far as I can go. And Dr. Grace says, come on in, bro.'" He laid me out on that table of amazing grace, Pastor. And He took the scalpel of compassion. And He replaced my old dark, dingy heart. And He replaced it with a new one. And when I got up, I went, man, it feels better. And I said, well, what kind of regiment do I need to do to maintain this? And He said, deep knee bends. He said, it would be good if you'd get on your knees and pray once in a while. I'm here to tell you that most of you in here, your problem ain't your eyes, your problem ain't your ears, your problem ain't your tongue, your problem's your heart. And you need Dr. Grace to come and make a heart transplant. You know what, Tim, I used to preach. I used to preach that on the third day, Jesus kicked the the end of that old tomb out and He walked out, and I'm telling you it sounds like good preaching, but it ain't biblical. You know what happened on the third day that Jesus come out of that grave? It said the stone was rolled away. You know why it was rolled away? Panos, not for Jesus to get out. It was for the disciples to get in. You know what? Some of you in here, your old heart's got a stone across it. and All you need to do is let that stone roll away from that old crusty, dark heart. And you know what? Jesus says, Behold, I stand and knock. Where are you at tonight? Let me tell you about our heavenly failure fixer. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what sin you think you've committed that God can't forgive you for. We've got a failure fixer, a heavenly big factor. We've got one that's a burden bearer in heaven that said, come, like he said last night, come unto me, all ye that labor in heaven, laden, I'll give you rest. Do you need fixing tonight? Well, Dr. Law ain't going to do it, but Dr. Grace can. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in Him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how He changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. Every day He comes to me with full assurance. More and more I understand His words of love. But I'll never know just why He came to save me till some blessed day I see His face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else can take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. Every head bowed and every eye closed Nobody looking around please Heads are bowed and eyes closed I want to ask you a question tonight Nobody looking around please You know my heart tonight is so Is so full but yet so burdened I want to ask a question tonight If you're in this room and there's Not an ounce of doubt in your mind that you're born again, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven. Could you raise your hand right now? Once you put it up, you can put it down. Can I ask you a question? If you're in this room tonight, you're here by, not coincidence or accidents, but by providence. You're here on divine appointment. And I want to ask you a question tonight, Judgment Day, honest. I ask it for two reasons. Number one that you be honest before God, because guess what? He already knows the answer to this question. Number two is that this preacher knows how to pray for you as intelligently as I can. I want to ask you a question tonight. If you're in this room and you'd say, Preacher, I really don't know if I'd go to heaven, but I want to. And I'm really concerned about my eternal destiny, and I want you to pray for me. I wonder if you'd let me pray for you. I want to have the privilege of praying for you. And you'd just raise your hand up and then slip it right back down. You'd say, Preacher, will you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm born again, but I want to be, and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody be willing to let me pray for you? Anybody like that? God bless you. Anybody else? I would like to pray for you. Anybody? I'm not asking this so I can entice your emotions. I'm I'm offering you today Jesus. He's extending His arms wide open, and He wants to save you. He wants to be the failure fixer in your life if you're in this room, you'd say, Preacher, will you pray for me? I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, but I want to. I want you to pray for me. Anybody else? Anybody else? There was one that raised her hand. Anybody else would like me to pray for? I won't, I'm going to. Anybody? Alright, before we pray, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around, please. Can I ask you to do me a favor? If you will, if you raised your hand and you meant that, Would you just look at me? Nobody's looking, I promise. Did you mean that? If you meant it, I promise you, I can't save you. But I promise you, if you'll believe what Jesus said, He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a preacher or a good man that walked in Galilee. He was the God of heaven. Come down to us in flesh. He lived 33 and one half years on this earth and He died on an old rugged cross that you could have eternal life. He died in your place. And tonight, if you're not sure you're going to go to heaven, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by Me. And if you do this tonight, if you'll just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to go to heaven and I know You're the way to get there. And I want to trust You and not my good works. I want to trust You and not a church membership. I want to trust You and not being a good moral person, I promise you, Jesus will save you right where you're sitting. If you're here tonight, you want to be a better Barnabas, if you're a Christian here, and there's some things that's lacking in your life, I ask you to get that taken care of tonight. Could we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around please, standing right now, heads bowed and eyes closed, standing to our feet please. The invitation is this, if you need to come, You come. Don't you delay, don't you wait. If you've got a need, if something you want to lay at the the foot of the cross where the ground's level, you do that. If you want to trust Christ tonight, we'll be here for at least another hour and a half. You can come to myself, the pastor, one of the deacons. You can come to one of these dear men that are lay preachers, and I tell you, we'll take a Bible and show you that what we're trying to tell you is not our words, but the words of Almighty God. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me tell you something, folks. Being saved is not a Baptist term, it's a Bible term. And you need to be born again. See, you were birthed once, but you need to be born again from above. Father, in Jesus' name, I love you tonight. For those that raise their hands and need help, Lord, for those that raise their hand they like to be gloriously saved or go to heaven, God, I pray that You'd give them the boldness to come and maybe talk to one of us. Lord, for those Christians that maybe need to work on being a failure fixer, a friend finder, a bridge builder, a disciple developer, a situation solver, a load lifter, I pray that, God, that You would speak to us in a mighty way. Help all of us to be more of an encourager than we are a discourager. And we'll thank You and praise You for what You do in our midst tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.